You're listening to a message from Canby Foursquare Church in Canby, Oregon. We pray that this message will be an encouragement to you. Visit canbyfoursquare.com to learn more. I was going through just studying and praying, just realizing that this message uh, really could follow and needs to follow with communion together. And uh, every now and again, it works out that way. And I love it when the Holy Spirit arranges things, puts things together like that. But before we jump in, I have someone I want to introduce to you. I want to introduce my friend, Pastor Chad Carroll. He's right back there. So Chad's from Denver. We've known each other for a while now. And so Chad and Jody and the girls are here. They're taking a, a week in the great Northwest. They're from the uh, Front Range. So when you go to the Front Range, you dry out like a prune. And uh, when you come here, Jody was saying, wow, it's got some moisture in the air. And uh, we know what that feels like. So Chad, it's good to have you your family get to hang out here. Uh, we've been friends for a long time. Uh, they've been a blessing in our lives. And so uh, it's just good to hang out. It's good to have good friends. It really is. Well, good morning again, everyone. Uh, we're in this series called The Gospel Story. We've been there since January. And uh, just the different reports that come in about uh, this journey. And really, it's an overview of the Old Testament. And we're finding Jesus in the Old Testament. That's what this is all about. And this morning, uh, what I want to remind you of is that you continue to study, and, and, and what you do is you just continue to lean in, and you see Jesus in those places that you may never have seen him before in the Old Testament. Uh, last week, if you remember, I filled in for Pastor Ryan Egley. He's doing a lot better. This morning, I'm filling in again. <clears throat> I'm filling in for our president, Randy Remington. Uh, Randy Remington was supposed to be here this morning, but he will be here two weeks from today. And so we get to hear our International Foursquare president. I want you to really pray for uh, the leadership of our denomination, Randy especially. Uh, Randy was voted in as our president, international president, the end of May of 2019. We all know what happened about 10 months later. COVID hit. And like many leaders, uh, leading through a, a wild ride. And so we want to continue to pray for Randy. Randy really is a good leader. We were at the Foursquare Connection in Orlando uh, several weeks ago and ran into Randy in the airport and he sat down and talked with us and was able to share with our interns and we really enjoyed that time together and a few weeks ago he also called some of the uh, pastors and I'm going to say this, they're the older pastors in the Northwest. I used to be called to the younger pastor group but now I'm in the older pastor group and so he brought some of our elders from the Northwest and we took some time uh, together, we talked, we prayed, we shared experience together, and um, we slept a little bit, I think, took a few naps, I think that's, and then we played golf, we did that as well, and so we did, we enjoyed that time, I do all that, I say all that, so that you'll remember to just pray, uh, pray for our leaders, um, God is doing good things, and we want to be able to keep up with what the Holy Spirit is up to. So this morning, with that said, let's bow our heads. I want to pray and kick off this morning. Father, I want to thank you today for all that you do in our lives and the way that you lead us, the way that you guide us. We pray right now that your Holy Spirit would just show us the way that you would open your word, uh, open your word to us, our heart and our mind, so that we would see you. In Jesus' name we pray and we say amen. Well, I'm going to share with you uh, the journey that I've been on lately, and it has to do with the series that we're in, uh, that we've been in several months, and that's the gospel story. 
but I'm going to add a question to it, and I think it's a question that a lot of people have asked, and that is, how do I know I'm hearing a gospel message? Now, some of you are thinking, well, I think I know, or I, 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 I assume I know. What I found out over the last two or three years is that there's some question on whether we're hearing the gospel story, the good news of Jesus Christ. And so I thought it would be a good idea, and it was for me, to clarify what does that look like. I know it sounds elementary, might even sound simple, but how valuable it is for us to know what we're hearing and what we believe in. And then how do we articulate that? How do we share our faith with those around us, especially in the time that we live in now? Uh, the, the question, again, is how do I know I'm hearing a gospel message? Now, understand, this is coming from someone at a young age who committed to live out 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2, as my life verse. And that just simply says, for I determined not to know anything else among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. My goal in life is to keep the main thing the main thing, and that's Jesus. And so whenever we gather together, we want all of our focus, all of our attention to be on Jesus Christ. And I could say this without exaggeration. I've I've been haunted in a lot of ways by the messages that are being passed off as gospel. Uh, some of them aren't even bad messages. They're just not the good news of Jesus Christ. And I think for a lot of leaders, and I can speak for a lot of leaders, there have been pressure on a lot of leaders to use this platform for other things and not the gospel of Jesus. And what we want to do is we want to keep Jesus in the spotlight. We always want to say, Lord, this is who we are. We are lost, but now we're found in you. And because of your grace, we know the salvation of Jesus in our lives. Can you say amen to that? Here's what I would say, too. I want to plea. I have a plea. I, I, actually, I'm begging our mature le uh, leaders and believers in Jesus. Use your influence. Use your testimony to point others to Jesus Christ. He lacks nothing. He has everything. You don't need to go anywhere else. And, and I tell you, there is a power that you have. The Bible says that there is a power to overcome in your testimony by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And for those that are older believers, use that influence to point people to Jesus Christ. You have a sway in people's lives. You have a say in people's lives. And so that you can point them to know Jesus Christ. And to new or newer believers, I pray with all my heart that you have a deep passion and a hunger for all things Jesus. And I've been praying this way. You've heard me say this before. I'm praying that God would give you, light it up in you, a passionate curiosity for all things God and his word. That you can go to the word of God and say, Lord, I want to find out what it is to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Because you're saying that you're instructing me in your word. And don't be satisfied for anything else. Ask God to give you that passionate curiosity for him and his word. In so many ways, the gospel message has been relegated, I would say, to being just another message among many messages. And this is what I fear. I fear that the message, the gospel message, may lack clarity in what it means and how we live it out and how we articulate that message to those around us. So when someone comes to you and asks you, what is it to know Jesus Christ, what is your response? When someone asks you, what is it about your faith? How do you share with them your faith in the places that you anchor your life in Jesus Christ? 
How do you talk about what God is doing in your life? Because that is so important that we pick that up today, that we understand it. Do you know when you're hearing a gospel message? Do you know when God just does something in your heart that you know is transforming, that's going to change your life, that's going to lead you in a deeper relationship with Jesus? You know, I think one of the best places to start is just actually, what is the gospel message? That's a good question. What is the good news message? Well, simply put, it's a message that always points, always points you to Jesus Christ as the only way, the only truth, and the only life. That is the gospel message. That Jesus came, he lived the perfect life, he died for our sins, he rose again, and gives us everlasting life. And that when I'm able to communicate that, when I'm able to share that with others, there's a power that takes place. I don't know where those places are for you, where you get those opportunities, those moments to share Jesus Christ. They may be at work, they may be at school, they may be when you travel. I know for me, it's usually when I'm in transit. And it isn't, it's so interesting because what happens is I'm, I'm in a hurry to get to someplace. And it's always in that hurriedness that the Lord will stop me and say, you need to share your faith with those people around you. Uh, it happens in airports. It happens on airplanes. It happens in a lot of different places when I'm going from point A to point B. Those are the places that I get to share faith in Jesus Christ. There was one particular incident. I'll never forget this. We were rerouted from uh, a, plane, a plane ride. We were actually leaving uh, we were actually leaving Africa. We were going to Germany. We were rerouted to Paris. We landed in Paris. We went into the lounge and had some conversations with people around us. I started talking to a, a gentleman who, after I got to know him, he went to a Foursquare church in Southern California. I asked him, what was he about? Why, why, where, what was he doing? What was he, where was he going? And he said, you know, my wife passed about six months ago, and we were going to go around the world together. So I'm doing this in honor of her. And uh, he said, where are you from? And I said, I'm from Candy, Oregon. He goes, oh, I've been to Candy. And I said, what were you in Candy for? And he goes, oh, uh, I, I sell fiberglass to the diving board company at the end of your town. And I said, oh, yeah. I said, listen, I want you to pray for the old owner, the guy that used to own it. His name's Paul. He goes, yeah, I know Paul. I said, would you pray that he comes to faith in Jesus Christ? And he says, yeah, I'll do that. If you pray, the new owner comes to faith in Jesus Christ. And I said, I'd love to do that. Right after he says that, he says to me, he's coming in. He's walking in that door right now. And I said, who's walking in the door right now? And he goes, Steve, the guy that I asked you to pray for, he's coming in the door right now. And I said, you mean he's here right, right now? And he said, yeah, there he is. And he turned and he, they saw each other. They greeted each other. And so... This gentleman introduced me to Steve, and um, he said, you know, this guy, he's talking about me. He said, this guy's been praying for you. He's going to pray for you. He, he wants you to know that he cares for you. This guy just got ashen white, and he goes, oh, my gosh, God has my number. And he didn't have anything else to say. He just kept saying and repeating, God has my number. God has my number. We get on the plane to head to San Francisco. He's sitting next to me. And he's looking at me, and he's just going, oh, Lord, you, I, this cannot be happening. This cannot be happening. We get to San Francisco. We get off the plane. We're going through customs. He and I are standing next to each other on the people mover. A guy in front of us actually has a heart attack, and we catch him. 
while he falls back. This is no kidding. We catch him, and he's looking at me going, this is making me crazy, man. This is weird. So anyways, we helped him. A doctor showed up. We get on our plane to come to Portland, and guess what? He's sitting right next to me. And I said, you know, it seems like I'm assigned to you. And he goes, no kidding. <laughs> it was an opportunity to share faith, to tell him about how much Jesus cared for him and how much Jesus loved him. I know sometimes those opportunities aren't as exaggerated, but there are opportunities where we have to share Jesus Christ with those who are around us. And here's what I trust in you. I trust the Holy Spirit working in your life. I trust the Holy Spirit to do the work that he's called to do in you and that you would be open to that. Number one, do your homework. Do your own homework. Study God's word. Jump in and find out what God has to say about faith, uh, about following Jesus Christ. You know, one of the things that was a great tool for me and still is, I have this little pocketbook I always carry around. It's called the Jesus Person Pocket Promise Book. How many have ever had it? It's by David Wilkerson. Listen, this is just, this is a wonderful, it's a wonderful tool because what it does is it just leads you right to the word. That if you're thinking about something, you want to talk to somebody about scripture, about faith, you can look it up right here in this little pocketbook. In fact, I got a few on those tables. So first come, first serve, you can grab one. I always like to hand these out. All you got to do is carry it around. If you don't know the, the scriptural answer, you can find it right here. You can go to God's word and, and you can study and you can do your homework. The other thing I want to encourage you to do when it comes to the gospel of Jesus Christ is eliminate the middleman. And I, here's what I mean by that. Don't take everybody's word for what you're hearing. Do your own study. Uh, don't just rely on the social media platforms that are out there today. Don't rely on uh, things that are said that may not even be true. Go to God's word. Go to God's word and that you would have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ that would make a difference and others would see that relationship. Don't be dependent on other sources other than God's spirit and his word. Lean into God's spirit. Lean into God's word. Make the gospel real in your life. Test it. Try it out. It really works. Because when you take the gospel beyond theory, it really works. When I hear people oftentimes talk about the gospel, they're talking about a nice idea. They're talking about a nice theory. Listen, the gospel of Jesus Christ is powerful. Here's what I know. I know theories don't lead you to action. They don't lead you to change. They don't lead you to sacrifice. The gospel of Jesus Christ leads you to all of those. The gospel of Jesus Christ puts you in situations where you have to take action, where you have to change, where you have to sacrifice. The gospel has to work and through you and in you before it can touch other people's lives. So that you would be open and say, Lord, I want to be transformed. I want to be changed by the good news of Jesus Christ so that in my change, I can share that with others. Here's another question. Who's the gospel message for? Um, I have people ask this question as well. Here it is. Salvation in Jesus Christ is available to everyone regardless of their ethnicity, their social status, their political party, or their gender. I love what scripture says here. I'm going to read you a few passages that actually fit together. 
Here's, here's where I begin at John 3, 16 and 17. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female. You, for you, are all one in Christ Jesus. You see, back in the day of Jesus, back in the day of the Apostle Paul, Paul was always, he was constantly battling against those who wanted to make salvation other than believing on Jesus Christ. Some were saying, well, really to be saved, you have to eat this kind of food. Really to be saved, you need to be circumcised. Really to be saved, you need to be part of the Jewish community. Paul spoke against that. He said, no, it's only by faith are you saved. That's how we find salvation. He explained that. He talked about that. In fact, he writes that in Ephesians chapter 2. He says, for it is by grace that you've been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. So why did Jesus and why did Paul oppose the Pharisees and other leaders? Jesus would find himself in situations in conflict with the Pharisees of his day. And he would be angry at them because they were leading people away from what true salvation is, what the gospel message was really all about. They believed in elitism, uh, gender, uh, Gentile. They, uh, they, they disdained the weak and the broken and the poor. Jesus embraced the broken and the poor. They believed in works, that if you do good works, that's how you're going to find eternal life. Jesus said it's not by works. It's not by works that you come into salvation. And then they also believed in ethnicity, that there was a bloodline, that you were in a certain bloodline, then you were likely to find salvation. That's why there was such conflict between the Jews and the Samaritans. The Samaritans had adopted other faiths, other beliefs, other gods. And so they were disdained by the Jews. You see, the Bible tells us that all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And that we can have confidence and we can be absolutely sure that Jesus brings salvation to those who call on his name. Bottom line, the gospel can save everyone or it can save no one. I know the gospel can save everyone. Anyone who calls on the name of Jesus, it makes a difference in their lives. See, Jesus didn't come for those who thought they were well, the Bible says that Jesus came for those that were sick, those that didn't need a, uh, uh, they didn't need a savior. They didn't think they needed a savior, and Jesus came to bring salvation to them. I love what Romans chapter one sixteen says. It says, "For I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God that brings everyone to salvation." So, does and can the message apply? To all people. So when you hear a message, when you hear the gospel message, is it a message that can change anyone's life, everyone's life? 
is the message you're hearing, could it be preached in China? Could it be preached in Russia? Could it be preached in Albania? Because I know there are, there are messages that are crafted for particular cultures and that other cultures couldn't be invited into that message. Listen, the message of Jesus Christ doesn't exclude anyone. The message of Jesus Christ invites everyone to salvation. That's the message that we preach. That's the message that we, we live in our lives. And then there's another question. Does the message you hear convict you of sin or just affirm your personal beliefs and lifestyle? See, this one got me. Does it just affirm my, my, my lifestyle? Is it just coming alongside of me and saying, bad a boy, good job? Or does it convict me of my sin? Because the gospel of Jesus Christ will bring conviction to our hearts. Will put us in places where we have to make a decision uh, of what we're going to do, how we're going to think, how we're going to live. The gospel of Jesus Christ convicts us of sin. In Acts chapter 3, verse 19, it says, Repent and then turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. You see, is the gospel of Jesus Christ used as a prop to get by in life, or it is the foundation that you'll build your life on? How do you use the gospel? How do you apply the gospel to your life? Do I use the gospel to make my point, or is the gospel the point? You see, the gospel is the center. It's the foundation of all that I am, of all that I do. And I'm jealous for that message. That's the message that I'll die for. That's the message that I will live for. It's the gospel message. We have this privilege. We have this opportunity to share Jesus Christ, the light of Jesus Christ in a dark world. When you leave this place, you're, you're going to go into places. Many of you are going to go into places uh, where there's darkness. You're going to go into places that need the hope of Jesus Christ. And that you can bring that message, the message of hope, to a lost and dying world. Another question that I've asked about the gospel is who does the gospel identify as our real enemy? This is the one that kind of caught me a little bit because I recognize that when you read through the gospel, when you read through the New Testament especially, identified as our enemy is one person, and that's Satan. That Satan is our enemy. In Ephesians chapter 6, verses 12 and 13, it tells us that it's not by flesh and blood, or not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything, stand. One of the things that I've noticed and that I hear is that oftentimes people will vilify or demonize other people and stating that the, these folks are the enemy. Listen, the enemy is not flesh and blood. The enemy is Satan. Does the enemy use flesh and blood? Absolutely. But our responsibility is to pray for those that are living in darkness. Our responsibility is to be a witness to those who are living in darkness. I said this last week. I said I, I'm, I'm so careful of who I talk about and what I say about people. 
Because I always imagine myself, and I've said this, sitting on them next to them on an airplane, and I have to look them in the eyes and tell them about Jesus Christ, knowing that I might have talked about them, knowing that I can't really look them in the eyes. Just to put yourself in those places, the moment you, you're tempted, because all of us are, the moment we're tempted to talk about somebody, just imagine they're standing in front of you. What would you say to people who are actually physically standing in front of you? I can tell you, this has detoured me in a lot of ways to talk against people or about people. What we do, what we're called to do is pray. The Bible says in Matthew 5, Jesus said, listen, pray for your enemies. Pray for those that come against you. Today is a day that we can pray and ask God to change people's lives. Our battle is not against governments or people or companies or circumstances. The real battle is Satan. That's our enemy. You see, there's something that happens when we make others our enemy. It's, it's, a, it's a powerful social elixir. Uh, it's a, kind of the gang mentality where people say, yeah, that's our enemy. Yeah, that's our enemy. And everybody rallies around to go after somebody. Or, or they rally around to go against somebody. Listen, I want the message of Jesus Christ to be the predominant message. That is the central message that we preach, that we live, that we talk about. So in the days ahead, what you can do when you preach the gospel, when you live out the gospel, there's fruit there. There's fruit in our lives. What are the main objectives of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Number one is to seek and save the lost. We're all formally lost. If we, if we know Jesus now, we were once lost, but now we're found. So the message of the gospel is to bring those that are lost to faith in Jesus. The second is to gift us with abundant and eternal life. That we all have the promise of eternal life, abundant life. I want to talk about that more. I want to think about that more. I want to hear that more. That we have hope in Jesus Christ and we have eternal life. That those people that we're in relationship with, those people that might not know Jesus, we can with absolute certainty tell them that when they come to faith in Jesus Christ, that they will be given abundant and eternal life in Jesus' name. Something else happens, it's to make disciples. The gospel is to make disciples of those who were once lost. Matthew 28 gives us the Great Commission. I think that's one of the driving forces, the passion that we have in our internships and in our discipleship classes, in our rooted classes, and the things that we do is to become more like Jesus. Not only to make disciples, but we make disciples who make disciples. That you're part of that. And through your prayers, through your generosity, through your openness to change and be transformed by the power of Jesus, others come to that same place, the faith that they would have in Jesus Christ because of you. That this is about making disciples who make disciples. And then there's something else here. It's to serve others as Jesus served us. I love the scripture. It's found in Philippians chapter 2. It's verses 3 and 4. It says this. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Jesus laid his life down so that we would lay our lives down for others. That our life is a sacrificial life. Our life is not our own. 
that I don't get to give direction to my life, the Holy Spirit gives direction to my life. When I follow Jesus Christ, there's something that happens that changes me. And here's what I'm so thankful for. I'm so thankful that Jesus took the weak, took the lost, took the broken, because I'm one of them. And that he brought salvation. And he showed us the way. And today we have opportunity to do the same thing. But the gospel message is true, it's clear, and can stand on its own. And I am thankful for that. It is what it is. Would you bow your head with me? We're going to prepare our hearts right now. And I'm going to invite our worship team back. And we're going to share communion together. And we want to do this as a community and thank Jesus for what he's done through his life, his death, and his resurrection. Thank you for listening. Please let us know if you have questions or would like us to pray with you. You can contact the church office most weekdays at 503-266-4444 and anytime through canbyfoursquare.com.